Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God our Father. Amen. Our text for this evening's meditation, which is titled Heading Home and Loving All the Way, comes from uh, Peter's first epistle. It's the fourth chapter, reading verses 7 11. And I think the words should be up on the screen following that particular one. Which, go one more screen. There we go. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So far the reading of God's word. The Apostle John describes the very first Monday Thursday service this way in John 13. He said, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Isn't that interesting? He had loved them, but he was going to love them to the very end. He had come into the world to go to the cross. The time had now come to start heading up to that hill. He knew he was heading home, but he headed home loving his disciples. Whether you and I like to think about this, guess what? We are also all heading home. And Peter painted a glorious picture of the glorious inheritance Jesus won for us. Part of that we see in Monday, Thursday. Part of it we relive on Good Friday. And part of it we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Listen again to what Peter had to say. Verses preceding tonight's text. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We're all headed home. For some of us, the trip is going to be a little bit shorter than others. For some of us, the trip will be longer, maybe than we ever expected. And yet we're headed home. We're headed home for that prize, that gift that he says is kept in heaven for us. That day when you and I stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, tonight we're going to take a look at Jesus heading home and loving his disciples to the end. And at the same time, I want us to kind of take a look at ourselves as fellow Christ followers heading home and also loving all the way. Now, when you see those words heading home, that just really means to keep your head focused. In tonight's text, Peter puts it this way. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In other words, keep your head focused on the goal. Don't let emotions get the best of you. Elsewhere, Paul said, I've not yet arrived, but I keep straining for the goal toward which I was called in Christ Jesus. 
I remember preaching sermons on that text, and the title was, you know, keep pre- or don't look back, keep pressing on. See, he's saying, keep focused on the goal, but do not let your emotions get the best of you. And yet we know that emotions are a good thing. You can't escape them. After all, there's a lot to be passionate about. While I was gone, I went to the NAIA Division II Men's National Basketball Championships. 31 basketball games in six days. And some people go, oh, man. And I go, oh, yes. Because I was passionate about those times. I could spend a week in prison teaching and people might say, oh, why do you want to do that? And I go, oh, man, I love that. That's part of my passion. So emotions are a good thing. We need to be passionate about it. But the Bible also teaches us that our passion ought to be in control. We need to keep our head focused, Peter says, for the sake of our prayers. I mean, just look at how Jesus kept his focus during his earthly mission. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so focused, he was so earnest in his prayers that even sweat like drops of blood fell. I mean, Jesus experienced great emotion of fear. And that's when he turned to prayer, when he said, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. And although Jesus knew there was great pain coming, although he knew that he was about to give up his life as a ransom for all, and although a lesser person may have fled, Jesus kept his head focused. He said to his Father in heaven, Not my will, but thine be done. Now, Peter in our text also says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I'm always amazed when I read parts of Scripture and I kind of go, oh, that's where that quotation comes from. Maybe you heard it before. You know, love covers a multitude of sins, but not having any idea that it actually was in the Bible. That's why on Monday, Thursday, our Savior instituted the Lord's Supper and said, given and shed for the remission of what? Sins. The multitude of sins. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever heard of church people sinning? You ever heard of church people sinning? Okay. Have you ever been hurt by church people? Ever happened to you? Okay. Uh, Let me turn the questions around. Have you ever hurt someone else in church? Uh Have you ever sinned against a fellow church member in thought, word, or deed? Yeah. You know, the answer to those questions would indicate that right here this evening we have a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins that desperately needs to be covered. Now, you can do two things, one of two things with your sins. Either you can carry a grudge or uh, anger or bitterness that someone else has hurt you, or you can carry guilt around about what you've done wrong. Now, most of us probably do a little of both. We carry grudges, and we carry a certain amount of guilt. This is probably not news to you, but you know, grudges and guilt are really, really heavy. Grudges and guilt weigh us down. We we kind of trudge with our grudge. (laughs) We trudge with our grudge and our guilt. We trudge around with all of that kind of stuff. And, And if guilt and grudges is not enough, we've got fear tacked on. So often like that hymn, we sang a little bit of it. I think the phrase kind of popped up in our opening hymn tonight, but you also know it other hymns where it says, We are weak and weary and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care. Now, wouldn't it be great if 
someone would cover all of our sins with love. I mean, wouldn't it be great also if someone could take away all the sins of the world, past, present, and future? Well, thankfully, someone has. And thankfully, this church, our church, is a place where you, hopefully, every time you come, can hear about the forgiving love of God and then learn how to share that love with one another. It's also found in the words that you would have heard tonight as you came to the Lord's table. This is my body, this is my blood shed for what? For the remission of your sins. The blood of Christ washes over our sins and our sins are gone. The blood was shed because of his great love for us. You could say that Jesus was heading home. In prison, we talked about at the time when it says Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And as he started heading from the north down to die, on three different occasions, he predicts his coming passion. One time, Peter says, oh, don't talk that way, Jesus. To which Jesus, you know, said, get behind me, Satan. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. He was headed home. But he was loving all the way. If you read the gospel accounts, the biblical narrative, it's amazing how many people healed along the way as he marched resolutely towards Jerusalem. Healing blind people all along the way. Healing the lame. Healing the deaf. Headed home, loving all the way. Now, you and I are part also of the body of Christ. The multitude of our sin is covered, and guess what? That's why, as Christ followers, we are heading home. And we are also called to love all the way there. Paul, in his letter to the Christians in Galatia, put it this way. He said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, on Monday, Thursday... Jesus not only instituted the sacrament of his forgiveness, he demonstrated his love in another way. If you paid attention to your worship folder tonight and you opened it up, you saw a picture inside, did you not? Did you see that picture inside your worship folder? Let me read you from John 13. Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was going back to God, see, there he goes, he's returning home, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. I'm going to stop there because there are some churches that still today practice foot washing. In fact, Nancy may remember back at our church at Lord of Life, We didn't do foot washing, but we would do hand washing. Just a kind of a slightly different thing on a Monday, Thursday. But he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I have given you an example, he said, that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus was saying, you're going to go home. Love people along the way. And by the way, part of that is learning how to serve these people. I always think it's a wonderful congregation when people have learned how to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. 
It's always a wonderful congregation where people all have kind of learned how to serve one another instead of trudging around preoccupied with our own problems. We've learned how to head home and love all the way. Now, what do you think the word all the way means in the original Greek? It's kind of surprising it means all the way. That's exactly what it means. It means in every time, everywhere, every place, anyhow, anywho, you know, whatever. Peter even names specific ways that we can love one another. Listen again. He says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You ever struggle with that one? Trying to be nice to people, but you kind of muttered under your breath the whole time. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Do you realize you are all a gathering of gifted people? <laughs> it said, you know, whoever speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. Whoever serves, let him serve with the strength that God supplies, in order that everything in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. <clears throat> See, Jesus' love is spoken loudly. In the congregation, when we serve one another, Jesus' love is shared when a family gathers uh, at his table to receive forgiveness. So we need to continue to be faithful to this wonderful Monday Thursday inheritance. When we speak to one another, let us speak as God would speak to us. When we serve one another, let us do it wherever there is a need and according to whatever abilities God has given us. I always loved Paul also when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. He said, don't go, don't grow weary in doing good. Do you ever get tired sometimes of being nice? Do you ever get tired of doing good? We all, we've all have, but he says, don't do that. People today are very critical of the institutional church. You don't have to read very many newspapers or blog sites to know that a lot of people really don't care much for the institutional church. In fact, one of the reasons they say they don't like to come is they see the church as being unforgiving, uncaring, and unloving toward each other. I've often said, and when people come to church, they're kind of looking for a couple things. They'll walk into a church as a visitor, and they will look around to see whether the people in this church love each other. And the second thing they're going to ask themselves is, will they love me too? I had this brought to mind a number of years ago at a church. After church, I was standing in the lobby area at the Fellowship Hall, and people came up, a lot of little kids and moms and dads or whatever, and I was hugging them all. And I saw a young woman there with about three little kids. And I turned to her and I said, are you first time here? And she said, yes. She said, it looks to me like a lot of people really like you. And I said, mm, yeah, I guess. And it kind of seems that you like these people because you're hugging them. Okay. She said, would you hug me too? Bring it on. And I hugged her. And she said, would you hug my kids, too? I said, sure. And I think I even got down on the knees so I could get down to the little ones. And that woman kept on coming to church. They're looking for that. See, as congregation members, as members of the body of Christ, we not only sound out the pure teaching of God, but also show it by forgiving 
one another, caring for one another, loving for one another. I read this quote not long ago. It kind of caught me. It said, don't tell me what a friend I have in Jesus until I see what a friend I have in you. See, motivating this kind of congregational life is the truth that we're getting very close to our true home. The inheritance laid out for us because the Bible says the end of all things is at hand. About two weeks ago, I was reading the story about a man who had had open heart surgery. The morning after his surgery, he started to wake up in intensive care. And as he was slowly waking up, he heard a loud pounding, like bam, 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 bam. And he thought it was hospital construction. And he thought to himself, this is the last thing I need to do coming out of heart surgery. And so he began to pray, dear God, stop that pounding. Now, how was his prayer answered? It was answered the same way that our prayers are often answered, too. Bam, 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 bam. However, as he became more and more awake, he remembered what the surgeon had told him. He said, we're going to give you a brand new artificial valve. It will make a a loud pounding noise for some time, but eventually it will quiet down. And so he said he began to pray again very quickly. Dear God, please forget that prayer. Delete the email. It's okay. Bam, 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 bam. (laughs) See, friends, there is something to remember. Every beat of your heart is a gift from God. Every beat of your heart is a grace from your creator. Every beat of your heart is an occasion to stop trudging around with grudges and guilt and fear and instead thank God. And love one another. Every beat of your heart reminds us that Jesus loves us all the way. Every beat of our heart inspires us to love one another as we too head home. Why? I'm going to tell you why. It's because our text says so. It says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion. Forever and ever. Amen.